Welcome back to the Eurotrips Football Podcast. We are back for another Premier League season preview, and this time it's a turn of Nottingham Forest. Now, with me, I've got a Forest fan, a fellow writer for Favel. Back with me today is Jamie Martin. How are you? I'm all good, thank you. Not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, you're not bad. Um, obviously, the first episode's come out by now. Um, our Bournemouth episode, so it's um, getting a different part of the country now, but. Um, yeah, looking forward to um, you know, chatting all things um, Nottingham Forest. Of course, we're normally a podcast that's been restricted to just a certain amount of members, but it's nice that we're now you know expanding our podcast and getting more people in. So it's good to have you. Yeah, no, real, real privilege to be able to uh, to join you today. Thank you for the invite. No problem at all. Um, so we're going to ask you the same questions we started off asking our last guest as to firstly, what made you a Forest fan? My dad, my dad, definitely. I think um, most people will probably say their dad as well, to be honest, or their mum. He was the the football figure in my life, the person that introduced me to football. And and I hated football when I was probably three or four. It was the worst thing ever. Sitting in the living room, watching football, 3pm. It's not the worst thing. I couldn't think of anything worse. And then over time, he said, oh, come to the Forest Games with me. We used to leave at halftime because I hated it. And then eventually I started to like it a little bit more. He got me into playing it. And um, and Forest was always our team. It's always been my dad's team, my granddad's team, so and so. Um, so yeah, it's always been a family thing. Forest, it's my local team. It's only over the river for us um, to walk over there. So yeah, it's always been Forest. And um, yeah, my dad introduced me to that. Interesting that story because I, you know, similar thing for me in terms of I didn't really get into football until 2002. So that would have been seven, I think that would have been. Um, you know, I remember when. Uh, we had our old cat we used to have. We got on the same day back and scored that goal against Greece. And I remember that day, my brother was watching it, my dad and granddad, and I was with my mum and, gra- and nana watching the trying to get the cat. So it's um funny how you look at I would have been five or six at that point as well. So it's interesting how you can hate something so much or dislike something, and then it could take one little moment or one little thing and can completely turn you around. And now you know that's your team for life. Um, but in terms of being a Forest fan, firstly, favourite ever player as a fan? Oh, I mean, it's it's going to be a bit of a controversial one because I know it's, uh, I don't know, I don't think it ended particularly well. Um, but I was always a big Lewis McGugan fan when I was younger. Lewis McGugan, Adelaine Gidiora. I, I love both of them. I just thought they're brilliant. Um, to be honest, the COVID years were a bit of a, a little bit of a kind of, I don't know, you can't really remember much from those COVID years, to be honest with you. But um, from the players I can remember as a kid growing up, yeah, Lewis McGugan, Adeline Gidiora were were just sensational, I thought. And maybe like a favourite memory as well. Um, I mean, this might be obvious being a Forest fan of a younger generation, but what would you say is your favourite memory as a as a Forest fan? Oh, it would be the 1-0 win against Derby when uh, when Ben Luan just just got it in off the, the inside of the post. I think it was a header. I can't remember. I was, I was sitting in the, uh, the Brian Clough stand at the time. And um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be in contact with Ben Luan now. And we talk about it often because it was one of the best nights of my life when I was younger. I mean, you know, this Forest Derby feud's been going on for so long. And we're in a period where we're not in the same division anymore. Derby haven't beaten us for six or so years. And it's 
you know, you just never would have thought that. And I, I do miss the Derby days. That's probably why that's my favourite memory, just because we don't see Forest v Derby anymore. So, uh, yeah, that's that, That's my favourite memory. Interesting about local derbies, because I'm a Liverpool fan, as I've probably told you before. Uh, as you can see behind me, one good thing came out of the COVID years. But for us, it was that same dilemma of last year, or this year especially, and last year as well, with Everton. It's the fact that whilst I'm sitting in the boat with people who want him to go down I've you know for the, the hatred between two clubs it's like I've always my dad's the same we both would like to see him go down but there's some fans that would like him to stay in because you get that that rivalry and especially whilst for next year or two at least you've got both stadiums so close to each other Maybe even after that I think there's some fans that actually wanted to not do well but still stay in Premier League because you get that local derby you get that match day feeling in the city and I think that it goes for any city whether it's you know Forest against Notts County, or whether it's you know Manchester Derby, whether it's Midlands, wherever play, wherever you are in the world, I think that there are definitely are positives about having a local rivals knock go down. Um, and I'm sure New, uh, Newcastle fans, I'm interested to see their point of view when we get our Newcastle Newcastle fan on keg later on in the in the series we're doing, uh, whether he would like to see Sunderland back or not, because it's interesting interesting debate. Um, now heading on to the current well, the upcoming 2023-2024 season. The current ins and outs, and we are recording this early July, so anything by the time this podcast comes out, middle of July, things might change. But as of time of recording, the main in really has only really been Chris Wood for £15 million, of course, was there last season anyway. And then other players that have gone straight to under-21 side, like of Harry Griffith, Manny Norquette and Will Brook. And then all the outs I found major ones were all free transfers. So Andre A has been released Cafu, uh, not the Cafu, uh, Jack Holback, and you know, shockingly, after I wouldn't thought this last year, Jesse Lingard. Um, so overall, for you, uh, Jamie, what's your take been on the current ins and outs? Of course, a lot different to um, twelve months ago. Well, I mean, the Chris Wood deal will probably go down as the worst negotiated deal in Forest history because, and as much as, and by the way, I give every player a chance and and I want Chris Wood to do well. And, and it's not his fault that we, we paid what we did for him. That was a club fault. Should we have paid that much? Never in a million years. I mean, personally, I wasn't in the boat of, of bringing Chris Wood to the club anyway, because I don't think he suits our style of play and certainly didn't last season and obviously got an injury, which took him out for the rest of the season. But um, he, he didn't fit what we needed in terms of a forward profile, but maybe it's just what was available at the time. But for £15 million, I mean, it just shows how bad negotiations have been for Newcastle and Forest because Newcastle at the same time paid £30 million for him a year before or a year and a half before, and we're paying £15 million after. So we both got bad ends of the stick. I think we ended up probably getting the worst one, to be completely honest. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day... Uh, Give him a chance. It's it's an in for Forrest, but cost fifteen million. Not a big fan. And for as for the outs, um, the only one that I'm really devastated to see go is in terms of their actual match contribution is is Jack Colback. Um, because I thought he was a brilliant servant. I thought that maybe there was a role that he could play at Forest, but obviously it's Premier League now. There's no room for sentiment, uh, and unfortunately, it's a twenty five man squad place that's good, that's going to be taken by him and. Forrest know that and he'll probably want to move up north in the later years of his career and go back with family. But as for, you know, Cafu was brilliant, I thought, in the championship. I, th I thought that there's a championship that club that should still snap him up because I think he's a brilliant player. He's great at set pieces, really skillful on the ball. 
Um, so I'll miss him for that, but didn't offer much because he didn't get selected or registered in the Prem. Um, and as for Lingard and Ayu, you know, their contribution was was nil. So I'm I'm not really interested, to be honest. Good luck to them in the rest of their careers. Lingard, good in the dressing room. Ayu just didn't really do anything for me. So, uh, yeah, that's my kind of review on those ins and outs so far. Yeah, you mentioned Chris Wood. I mean, looking at his numbers for both Newcastle and Forest. For Newcastle, he only got five goals in 39 games and had what just one goal in seven games for Forest on loan last season. So when you think with only already there, Brennan Johnson already there, you do question why, in a way, you would pay that money for someone who's probably going to be a third choice, maybe even fourth choice striker. It does seem a bit a bit pricey, even even in this current market for a guy who's going to be your third or fourth choice striker. Well, I mean, it's contextual because at the time, you've got to remember that Taiwani was out with a groin injury when we bought Chris Wood. And Taiwani was, a, what, a month away from recovery? Brennan Johnson's not a number nine. He's a right winger. And he has scored goals, Brennan Johnson. And this I'm not disputing, but as a natural position, right wing is where he suits best. Using that explosive pace, the flair that he's got, that's what he suits better. He's not the number nine like Awani. Because you saw Awani in the last, what, six games, the last four games, getting six goals. Brilliant. But we didn't have him at that time. So we needed someone who was just an all-out all out striker, no other position, just that. And, and unfortunately, that was, Chris Wood was the person that we chose. I don't feel he's what we need at all, but um, he's the person that we chose. And, you know, at the time, we didn't really have many options. So it was either bring Chris Wood in or result to having Brennan Johnson or going for Morgan Gibbs-White as a false nine or, you know, Sam Surridge was still available. And I, and I think he would have been okay for us. I think he would have done all right, but he didn't get a chance and we opted for the likes of Ayu, et cetera. So um, it was a it was an awkward period of time, not just because of the Chris Wood transfer, but just because of the absolute nightmare that Steve Cooper had because of the fact that there were some players there that just weren't of quality that, that Forrest needed. That you know that are good enough for the Premier League, and um, Awani luckily came back to his best when we needed him to. So um, yeah, I mean at the time Chris would would just be your number one, number two striker, um, but now it wouldn't even make the bench if he if we didn't pay fifteen million for him. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this because it was a running joke for our last series, for the whole of last season. I made a bet with fellow uh, member of the podcast Ryan. This basically is my Welsh bias coming into this, but. I basically bet my mate Ryan that Brennan Johnson was scored more goals than Gabriel Jesus. Um, mm. <laughs> it's um, I I think it was more um, my I wasn't sure whether Jesus would work out when he signed, um, and I I like you to try and guess how much I bet on this on this being true. I'll give you one one chance to guess how much I bet on him. Oh, with the Welsh connection, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go forty pound. Uh, 75. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I yeah. back Brennan all the way, by the way. And I, I love I love all the Welsh guys and I, I go out and watch Wales occasionally um, to play. But uh, 75 quid, that's a lot of money, that. Yeah. Thankfully, I made a bit of a back because I made a bet with other hosts of the of the podcast, Naeem, about three years ago, both whilst we were both a bit half-cut, where basically I bet my mate £50 a City to win the Champions League. This is the evening when they lost to Chelsea two, three years ago, whatever it was, that they'd win the Champions League in five years, and my mate Naeem didn't. So in the end, only lost 25 quid. So thankfully, there was one good thing to come out of City winning the treble, and, and that was it. 
Oh, well, and, you know, and the videos of Jack Grealish, I thought that was a plus as well. But no, that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, at least you won that bet. But I, I wouldn't recommend betting your way out of bets. That's a, that's a risky business. That. Yeah, it's the last time I make a bet on the show. I was trying to make, you know, add a bit of spice to the episode, but um, almost came back to bite me. But, you know, I could have won 50 quid if I'd not had done that rather than lose 25. But, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, now, of course, I mentioned it briefly before um, that you had such a big incoming and outgoing, or particularly inco- incomings last summer. Not the best start of the season, quite a slow start, um, but you eventually finished 16th, um, secured safety with a few games left. It was against Arsenal when you secured it, which ultimately got City the league title. Now, coming into this season, far less incomings. Only I've mentioned only really one player coming in, and he's already been in with the team. Do you think that this will now see a more settled team in terms of I think Steve Cooper now knows his best lineup but do you think this will mean going into the season we're going to see a lot more of a calmer and more steady and not quite as bad a start of the season we had 12 months ago I mean I hope so obviously there's no there's no guarantees with the Premier League I mean we have there is going to be some changes to our team um you know and obviously losing Ren and Lodi in the back the back four is a bit of a loss um but you know, and obviously you've got to adjust the new guys to the to the team as well, and that's why we've got a, a preseason. So hopefully, get some guys in uh, early doors. But you know, I mean, there's the opening fixtures aren't going to be easy, especially the away ones. You know, you've got your likes of uh, I think it's Arsenal, uh, Manchester City. I'm sure Liverpool are probably in there as well. There's some tough away games um, for us to be completely honest. But at the end of the day, that that's the Premier League. There isn't really an easy game ever. Um, you know, even Southampton last season, we beat them four three, but it's like they scored three goals. It it wasn't easy, but most of the time we made it more difficult for ourselves. And I do believe that on many occasions we we could have gone and and won many more games. And I think we could have probably finished mid table if it wasn't for the little mistakes um, that we made. So uh, I I think we'll start off we'll start off well, build some foundations for a stronger season, and um, I think the fan base. We'll just have to get behind the players because it does help. And we, and we proved that within those final Premier League fixtures. We, we proved just how important the 12th man really is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, the 1 0 win over Liverpool. Um, yet off the win against Arsenal as well. You had some big, big results last year. And I think that will certainly help you in what you just alluded to at the start of your season. I mean, looking at your first few games, your first game mentions mention Arsenal. That's your opening game away from home at the Emirates. You got newly promoted Sheffield United second. You got Man U away third. Chelsea away fourth. Then you got Burnley at home game week five, and then City away, and then Brentford at home before the end of September. So, yeah, that is quite a hard start. But I think that it'll definitely gain some. You'll be confident going into it knowing that you did, you know take these teams and you, know, you beat Arsenal, you beat Liverpool. So you can go into these games against Chelsea and City. And Chelsea especially, which have a, at that point, still a new manager, trying to get used to the, the team he's got and so many players he's got to adjust to. Um, I, I think, you know, you could you could surprise a few. Um, speaking of which, this is where we will finish off the podcast, which is going to be um, your overall table prediction for the season. So just to put it in context, our Bournemouth episode... We had with Oliver Lee, he had Bournemouth finishing in 14th. That's sort of the, the realms of which the fan predictions are going to go. So for you, where in the table are Forrest going to finish this season? Uh, I'd like to say 13th. I think it's quite ambitious. But um, as a team, we have to be 
you know, we have to be happy with moving at one place a year, but we also have to be more ambitious than that because at the at the end of the day, um, you want to be achieving things. That's why we're in the Premier League. We're in the top division and we didn't sit in the championship for so long just to, just for the joke of it, you know, just for the fun of it. We want to come back up and we want to make a statement now. So staying up, getting mid-table, pushing further, maybe doing what like Aston Villa have done, that'd be great. I mean, I'm not going to count my chickens just yet, but um, I'd love to be able to do that if, if we can. And I think we've got the right coach to do it. We've got the right stadium, the right fan base. And uh, hopefully we'll have the right recruitment that allows us to do that. And I've got all the faith in the ownership that um, that, that can happen. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to put it 13th, but um, I'm not making any bets. <laughs> you didn't do, do what I did. <laughs> not not for £75 at least. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, speaking of Steve, actually, before we do, actually, speaking of Steve Cooper, of course, we see the big trend, particularly the last maybe 10, 15 years, where managers get sacked like it's no tomorrow and Steve Cooper was someone that for a lot of teams probably would have been sacked by at some point last season and you've seen with other teams who did set the managers early I think Aston Villa were the exception because they stacked Stephen Gerrard but in Unai Emery and you know they ended up doing better but you know Chelsea sacked Tuchel they got worse um, Tottenham you know, they sacked Conte and even though it wasn't great when he was there they still got worse under Ryan Mason and there's a lot of teams that had sacked managers and it got worse. Whereas for you guys, you stuck with your manager and it, it paid off. So just how crucial was that? Because I think he's done a great job. You know, first he Swansea get into the player final against Brentford two, three years ago. Um, and then obviously now he's taken you guys from quite low down on the table when he first joined to then to then going up. So just how good was it to see a club owners do that and actually stick to their manager? It's refreshing. It is um, it, it's testament to what that ownership's about, what their new vision is, their new Premier League vision that they dreamed of when they bought the club in 2017. That's what they've always wanted. And and they've achieved that. And, and they've instilled um, their confidence in Steve Cooper to achieve not only getting to the Premier League, but keeping them in it. Even in the most difficult times, I was there uh, at Ellen Road when we lost 2-1. And I was there when there was you know a lot of speculation that Cooper was done. But you heard him on the radio and he sounded happy and the ownership came out and said, look, we're not sacking him. We're keeping him. The math says that at that time, if you had sacked a manager, we're essentially relegated. Leeds paid the price for that. Leicester paid the, you know, the price for that. These teams all paid the price for, you know, for not backing their managers. And I think it is a different situation in fairness with Jesse Marsh and, and, and Brendan Rodgers because they are a lot to blame for the situations at their clubs and their clubs shouldn't really be anywhere near um, that kind of area. Leicester, especially on paper, um, a much better team than a relegated side before they were. Um, but Forrest, you know, we had the 30 signings. We had the players still integrating. We had the injuries, third most injuries in the Premier League last season, 37 instances, you know, and at the end of the day, we had it tough. And I'm not just saying this because I'm biased, but there's a we had it tougher than most Premier League sides last season. We did, and that, that's the truth. And Steve Cooper had to overcome a lot more adversity than any other Premier League manager, um, given our circumstances. So, um, yeah, just it's just brilliant to see them give him that confidence. And having spoken to Steve Cooper on a couple of occasions, he's just such a down-to-earth person. He could be on this podcast right now and just have this same chat with us, and it would just be so relaxing, you know, and he's just such 
He's just such a, a people's person. He knows what it's like to be a Forest fan. He understands what it's like to work in media and the questions that we're going to ask. And he knows what answers to give you. Um, and he knows what to say and he, he knows how to act on those things. So he's an overachiever for me. He's an overachiever. He came to a, a bottom of the league, Nottingham Forest, and um, didn't make us into world beaters just yet, but he's made us into a team that, that can achieve and he's made us into a fan base that can believe. So, um, yeah, I, I think brilliant manager, ownership excellent for backing him. And um, it's nice to see that at Forest now after years of instability. Amazing stuff. And that is where we will end the podcast. But before we do go, I'll give you a chance just to quickly plug your own social media. So, of course, if you just walk out on our socials anyway, so you will see his handle via that. Because if you listen to this on a train or whatever you're doing, or in your car or something like that, and you haven't yet got access to Twitter, uh, Jamie, where can we find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, you can search at I'm Jamie Martin. And on Instagram, you can search Jamie Martin underscore journalist. Or on YouTube, you can just search J Martin and I'll be on there. So that's my uh, my free social medias. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Really enjoyed chatting to you. And it's been uh, an honour to talk about Nottingham Forest. Well, the pleasure is all mine. I enjoyed having you on the podcast. Um, I look forward to hopefully linking up again at some point in the future. But in the meantime, this has been the Eurotrips podcast. I've been Andy, this has been Jamie Martin, and we will see you guys for our next season preview.